Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. And this is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. How are things? Oh, they're good. I mean, we're we're getting warmer. So that's are you? Good. Yeah. I mean, it will be like in the 50s, which will be nice. <laughs> I scheduled my pool to be opened the other day. So no, I'm that just is excited. So fun. Because it's like, that's coming on the week of March 12th, 13th. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> that like is a month and a really half away. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been that bad of a winter, so I'm not going to hate on it. Yeah, I said that the other day too. I was like, it, we've had some cold days, but not as many as we've had over mm-hmm. the last couple. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I've been watching some good shows. Mm-hmm. I was sick earlier this week, so I like... Major couch days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Felt yeah. good. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. Oh, and on the porn house update, I can oh. confirm that the people that we know that rented the Airbnb did not, in fact, stay in the porn house. Oh, okay. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Apparently, because the porn people were in there. Right. Yes. And also, on the, if you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go back and listen to last week's episode because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a porn house in my neighborhood, or there was. I w- I'm very concerned, however, now after t- thinking about it, why it got raided. Right, because they don't raid porn houses because porn's not illegal. Well, no, but I'm wondering if there there was just some s- kind of sketchy activity happening, and like a neighbor called. I think to raid a house, there has to be something illegal. So, like, was there drugs? Was there underage people? Oh, true. Like, that is concerning mm-hmm. and makes it yeah. funny. So, well, and a raid takes time to like plan. So, yeah. So, right. they were casing anyway. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the, the, it's ongoing. Okay. I'm glad to tell you something. Okay. Okay. So, you're coming here. In mm-hmm. Mar- end of March. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think I have a, a tr- think something for us fun to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Uh, although I don't think all the people that are in, we're doing a girl's trip for Christy's birthday. And there's several people coming. I don't think all the people coming will want to do this. So I don't okay. know. So it may just be something we have to do when you're just here. Okay. But I was reading on the news and mm-hmm. there is going to be a horror movie made about a real place in North Carolina called the devil's tramping ground. Have you ever heard of it? (laughs) Okay. I don't think so. Okay. So there is this place and it's called bear Creek, North Carolina, which is sort of in between like Ashboro and Sanford. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's an hour, a little bit over an hour from here. We ha- we're going to have to look it up and see how far it is from where we're going to be. Mm-hmm. But what this place is, it's literally surrounded by, like, lush green woods. And it's just a circle of ground that nothing grows. And it's, oh. like, this grayish blue. You're going to have to look it up. But mm-hmm. the dirt is, like, a grayish blue color. Oh. And it has been there before like the 1300s it's been documented and been called like the devil's tramping ground the devil's stomping ground like 
there's all this folklore and legend about why nothing grows there. And, and nobody lives on it. No, it's in the woods. Oh, okay. But do the it's people like, live near it? No. If you look it up on Google Earth, there is, like, not crap around it. But it's become a big tourist thing. So now there's an actual, like, dirt-ish road to it. Mm-hmm. And it has its own sign. Like, if you look up the Devil's Tramping Ground, there's a Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. been around that long. And they've tested the soil, and they cannot figure out why nothing grows there. And so there's all these legends and folklore about, like, it used to be used for, like, an Indian ritual place, or there's something buried there that they can't find, or that the devil comes there and walks in circles. (laughs) That's how I got the name. And, like, anyway, and there's all these people who post pictures there, and there'll be, like, blurry stuff in the background, like these white smudgy things in the background so there's all these like legends of the devil's tramping ground so they're making a movie and the premise of the movie is that students come to the devil's tramping ground to video like to video it for a school project like Blair Witch Project yes that's what I thought of too because only their footage was found but that's the movie they're making so that right. didn't really happen. That's just like right. the fake movie that they're making. But it's about this real place that's supposedly like mystical and haunted. Oh, some people say a UFO landed there. And that's why it's like a circle. Anyway. Um, did you know that there's an NCpedia? <laughs> that's what it's on. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw it on Wikipedia. Yes, I did know that there was that also, though. But anyway, yeah, so... It's not like we would do anything if we went there, but, like, we could witch it up for, like, an hour and, like, see what's what. (laughs) Take take a pick. I'm definitely going to map this from my um, condo that we're going to. Sweet. Right now. And it's anybody. 38 miles. See, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. (laughs) We'll have to see. We'll have to see if. We're in the mood. But anyway, if anyone's been to the Devil's Tramping Ground in Bear Creek, North Carolina, holler, because I really want to know. Is it spooky? Do you get a chill? Tell me. Right. I don't typically right. like super haunted things, just because I don't want to, like, take something home or whatever. Mm-hmm. But oh, we could take Sage. Oh, gosh. It's like it. <laughs> we can't Sage there. We might no. burn the place down. <laughs> There's nothing to burn. It's barren. Well, that's true. (laughs) Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that. I thought it was weird and interesting. Yeah, it is weird. Hmm. Okay. Well, good. We might have to give give it a whirl. Yeah, we'll (laughs) let you guys know. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's all I have. Do you have something? No. Nothing after that, man. That's fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I do have one more thing. We have a new Patreon to thank. Um, Jordan. Oh, yes. Our closet over on the Patreon. So welcome in, Jordan. We just released a fun episode this past Friday. So if you guys caught that, then cool. Yes. And it was actually the fun episode as opposed to the (laughs) month before when I scheduled them wrong. (laughs) All right. They got what they they got what they wanted. And then we'll have another crime episode in a couple weeks. So, yep. So if you want to join us over there, hit us up. That'd be cool. But that's it. That's all I have. Oh, except I have. A case. 
Let's do it. All right. This case comes to us from our listener, Trina. Oh, Trina. Okay, good. Hello, Trina. And we are heading to Colorado today. Oh. We've we been to Colorado? I'm sure. Okay. Denver, I think we've been to. Maybe. At some point. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a bit different than our normal cases because this case involves a spree killer. Oh, mm-hmm. I mentioned this to you earlier. So a spree killer, for those of you who do not know, is defined as a person who kills a number of people at one particular time and location in a frenzied, random, and apparently unpremeditated way. So, so when they say unpremeditated, it doesn't mean that it didn't have forethought and they weren't seeking to kill people. Okay. It means that they aren't looking to kill one specific victim. It's just whoever happens to be at this particular location at this particular time. And what would be the difference between that and a mass murder? I think they're the same. Okay. I just think they're not called mass murderers. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I might be wrong about that. I'm sure if I am, people will tell us. I guess it's probably more like used when it's like a shooting, mass shooting or something. That's that term. Well, that's true used more. But anyway, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So this is the case of Matthew Murray and the youth with a mission and new life shootings. I feel like I've never heard of this. Okay. You know what's weird? This is the third person that I have personally covered with the last name Murray, all spelled the same. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Misty. Isn't that weird? Mara. Mm -hmm. And now this guy. Yep. Isn't that weird? Wow. And we said, but the second one I did, we were like, what's going on with the Murrays? Right. Such bad luck. Well, three times is a charm, I guess. I am going to start out talking a little bit about Matthew, who is the killer and his background, because obviously it is important to understand what might have led to what happened in Mm -hmm. this case. Matthew was born in December of 1983 to parents Ron and Loretta Murray. He was the middle child. He had an older sister and younger brother. Matthew's father, Ron, was a very prominent neurologist in Colorado, and he was an expert in the treatment and study of multiple sclerosis. Oh, okay. It was hard to say for some reason, (laughs) which is a terrible disease. I definitely have up close and personal experience with it. And so we need researchers Mm -hmm. and treatment for it Mm -hmm. for sure. So he was very well known, very respected. Loretta was a stay at home mom to the three kids and the family lived in Inglewood, which is a suburb of Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. The Murray family is described as deeply religious. They were involved in their church and were dedicated to living a very pure and Christian life. All three of the Murray children were homeschooled and they were all active members of New Life Church, which was also located in Colorado Springs. New Life Church is a mega church. Mm-hmm. It, do you know, have you ever heard of it? Well, I feel like they must have, I have, but like not in Colorado. Like there must be like 
not yeah, it's like a common name, I guess. Yeah, there's other churches. So in Colorado, they have eight congregations, and they meet in six locations with tens of thousands of members. Hmm. They are very well known for their worship music and have actually released over a dozen worship albums. Oh, I'm wondering if that's where I heard that too. I know. I meant to look it up actually because I don't know if any of you guys grew up in religious arenas, but there's these albums called Passion Albums Mm -hmm. and they're worship music, but it's live. Mm. And I wonder if any of those are from this church. And I meant to look it up, but I forgot. I just remembered just now. Okay. I'll do that later. <laughs> Matthew had a pretty sheltered and pleasant upbringing from all accounts. They were pretty well off. Dad was a successful doctor, so the family had plenty of money, nice things. The family had a lot of friends within the church that they spent time with. Matthew was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of five, but other than that, there is literally nothing of note that has ever been said negatively about his upbringing in childhood, or the Murray family. Hmm. That's interesting. And not that ADHD is negative, but that's like, that's all anyone ever says. Right. It's like, well, it's the most negative thing that's not it, like negative. <laughs> right. Or the, the most noteworthy thing. Like the right. only thing worth mentioning, they were very religious and he had ADHD. That's it. Mm-hmm. However, as Matthew got into his teen years, he did start showing some rebellious behaviors. This is also not uncommon. And he began questioning his faith and his Christian upbringing and the teachings that he had been learning. He did join a group called Youth with a Mission, which is an organization that focuses on getting Christian youths involved in missionary work around the world. Mm -hmm. So it's all over the country and there's a whole bunch of different like branches of it and stuff like that. It's a very big organization. However, in 2002, he was asked to leave this program due to strange behavior, in quotes, and was banned from attending a mission trip to Bosnia. Oh. So it's like a a 12-week training program that you go through when you join the organization, and then you can start working within the uh, group and going on the mission trips and doing service and missions work, and he did not make it through the training. Mm. He was dismissed and was upset about this. I did read in one source that it was because he listened to very violent music and was claiming to hear voices, but that was only one source. Hmm. I don't know really why he was dismissed, but he's upset about it. He also, because this happened, he was like, well, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Hmm. So he leaves New Life Church and disassociates himself with Christianity, and he began searching for something new. As he grew into his 20s, this desire to learn about other faiths also started to grow, and he started to experiment with different churches and different types of religion. He joined a multitude of different churches. Well, no, I shouldn't say joined. He attended Mm -hmm. a multitude of different, like, wildly different faiths. He just he was, was just experimenting, trying them out. I was going to say, out. trying them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He became baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 2006. He also even attended events and services of the Ordo Templi Orientis Church, which hmm. was really weird to research. I'm not going to lie. It's like a secretish type group. 
that uses ritualistic magic as a part of their faith. It okay. almost kind of reminded me of like the Templar thing mixed with like the Masons, the Freemasons, but like kind of a darker version of it in a way. It's very strange. I don't know anything oh. about any of what you just said. Okay. I, did you? I don't. <laughs> what words were those? Don't watch the Da Vinci Code? Okay. No. <laughs> Right. Tom Hanks, everybody, Tom Hanks. However, in October of 2007, he was asked to leave that group mm. for reasons that are unknown. So in 2007, when the events that we're going to talk about took place, Matthew was 24. He had been working for a company called Central Telecom Incorporated, but he had gotten fired and was living at home with his parents. Matthew spent most if not all, of his time in his room on his computer. His parents were a bit concerned because it did seem like, okay, he's a young adult now. He really should be out on his own. He should be getting an education or finding his own job or finding his way in some form. And he just seems to be sitting in our home, in his bedroom, on his computer. He doesn't really talk to anybody. It's coming to kind of a recluse, you know, not really interacting like he should be. And we don't know why he was fired, right? We don't. Okay. I do not know why he was fired. Okay. Also, one day, Matthew had a box of ammunition delivered to his parents' house. And his mom just so happened to answer the door and was asked to sign for it, mm. which you have to do if you have ammunition delivered. And so she was like, well, what is it? I don't know what I'm signing for. And so they told her what it was. And she was like, oh. Huh. So they they didn't feel comfortable with Matthew having access to a gun. And so the fact that he was ordering ammunition was a little bit concerning to them. So they asked him about it and he told them, he was like, oh, you know what? I kind of bought that spur of the moment. A friend and I were talking about that we might go hunting sometime. And I just wanted to have my own ammo in case we ever decided to do it. Did he so, have a gun? Well, Matthew's dad thinking the same thing like well okay but do you have a gun for it he actually searched matthew's room looking for any guns just to make sure that he didn't have access to any and he didn't find any weapons of any kind hmm. so something was going on i think mm -hmm. within matthew and his parents clearly were concerned and saw that he was just struggling with something or like it's disturbing to them mm -hmm. but Hindsight's always twenty twenty. anyway, you know, I mean, and they didn't find anything. So, okay. On Saturday, December 8th of 2007, the Youth with a Mission organization was having a Christmas banquet at their meeting spot in Arveda, Colorado, which is nearby Colorado Springs. The banquet ran pretty late and around midnight, there were still some people and staff members like in the center cleaning up and like closing things down and you know, what you do after a party. At 12.30 a.m., Matthew knocked on the door. Tiffany Johnson, who is the director of hospitality for the organization, opened the door. Matthew was wearing a dark jacket and a skull cap. What is a skull cap, by the way? I also meant to look that up. Is it just a beanie? I think so. Yeah. That's what I like it just, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was armed with a handgun that he had hidden. Matthew asked if he could spend the night in the facility. 
He was told that he could not, but to wait and that they would find a warm and safe place for him to go for the night. She's like, no, you can't stay here. We have to lock it up. We can't leave you here by yourself, but we have a place for you. Just give us a minute. Mm -hmm. Matthew then pulled out the gun and opened fire. Mm. He was shooting what appeared to be at random. He shot 26-year-old Tiffany Johnson, who was the person that opened the door and fatally wounded her. He then shot another staff member, 24-year-old Philip Krause. His wound was also fatal. 24-year-old Dan Greibnow and 22-year-old Charlie Blanche were also shot and injured, but they did survive. Hmm. Okay. And so they were able to tell law enforcement what exactly had happened. Matthew then ran. He just left, fled on foot. Oh, my gosh. Out of the building into the parking lot and away. Gosh. Police were immediately called and a search of the property and surrounding area was done. There were 45 other people in the building at the time and another 35 on the campus grounds. Oh, so wow. He, that's a lot. Right. And four were shot. They were all the other people were evacuated because there was snow on the ground and because the shooter had left on foot Police were hopeful that there would be tracks like in the snow mm -hmm. that they could follow where he went, but they didn't find any. They brought in dogs to help find a trail, but they, there was no trace of him. They don't know hmm. where he went, how he got where he was going, nothing. At this point, they didn't know who the shooter was. So apparently the people in the organization did not personally know Matthew because mm -hmm. they were like, we don't know who this guy was. So they have no idea. Hmm. Who did this or why? A reverse 911 call was done, which is where everyone who has like a landline phone that is, or even a cell phone that's connected to the 911 database, they called them and warned them that there was a dangerous and active shooter on the loose with a description of him. Lock your doors, stay inside. Mm -hmm. So now this is Sunday, December 9th. And what exactly Matthew does now is not totally clear. There's like a few period of hours in which we don't know like where he was or what specifically he was doing. We know, so no one knows he's the one who mm -hmm. did the shooting at this point. He made some phone calls to like some friends and I think mm -hmm. maybe a couple family members, but like talking about nothing of consequence, like what's up, what are you doing? Kind of, you know, just like normal calls. And at some point, he did get his car. We know that. Okay. As the day went on, he called an acquaintance that he had met previously when he was in the Youth with a Mission organization. So he described this girl, young lady to people as like one of his closest friends. But she was like, no, we were not close friends. Like I, I knew him. I knew who he was. But barely and he was kind of odd and I felt sorry for him and like we talked from time to time but we're not friends wow so, so possibly he has like a warped sense of or just lying about it but right exactly yeah. so on the phone with her Matthew asked if she had heard about the shootings at the center and she was like, yes, I did. It's crazy. Like, it's so awful. And he's like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And he said he doesn't know what the world is coming to. 
Matthew told her that he had become interested in mass shootings of late and had been researching them recently because he was really curious about what would make a person do that. So we're talking like Columbine, you know, the shooting in Texas, Vegas, those types of things that had happened during that time period. He was like reading about them and reading about the the people who had done the shooting. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I just think it's so insane. Like what would make a person do that? It's crazy. I'm finding this fascinating that he's like able to have these conversations as if he's not the person that just did that. Like, well, exactly. But she said that she was very weirded out by the entire conversation. Like it seemed random and it was like really disturbing to her and that she was like, dude, did you have something to do with this? Like you're freaking me out a little bit. And he's like, Oh my gosh, no, you know, whatever. But when she got off the phone, she called into the tip line and gave them Matthew's name. And told them, like, I'm a little bit worried that this guy has been involved in some way. Like, I just had this very odd conversation with him, and he's a weird dude. You know, I don't know. You know, I mean, good for her, because even if he – it was just, like, a little weird to her, and she was like, check it out. Because if he had nothing to do with it, then they'd figure that out, and it would be fine. You know, like, Mm -hmm. but good for her for just, like, you know what? Something felt off. Let me just call. Exactly. And she also said that it was odd to her because he very abruptly got off the phone with her and said, hey, hey, I got to go. I'm going to church. Which she knew was really odd because he was not really liking church at this point. Right. So she calls in the tip. She tells him, like, you got to look at Matthew Murray. This is what's happened. However, it was too late. (sighs) He hung up the phone with her. And at 1 p.m., he got out of his car that was parked in the New Life Church parking lot. He was still wearing his dark jacket and the hat. He was carrying two handguns and an assault rifle and had over 1,000 rounds of ammo on him. Oh, my gosh. As he got out of the car, he pulled out the rifle in the parking lot and opened fire. He first hit the Works family who were walking to their car after the service, the church service that had just happened. Matthew shot and killed 18-year-old Stephanie Works and 16-year-old Rachel Works. So they're two sisters. He also shot and wounded their father, who is 51-year-old David Works. He shot and injured a 40-year-old woman named Judy Purcell. And as he continued walking towards the church, he shot at multiple other people, multiple other vehicles, but and he hit some cars, but he thankfully did not hit any other people. Oh, my goodness gracious. So he's just like randomly shooting, whipping his gun around, walking through the parking lot. He then made his way into the doors of the church and into the foyer of the church. So like the big open spot mm-hmm. where they do like the greeting and things. As he walked into the foyer, 59-year-old Larry Bourbonnais saw him, heard the shots, obviously, in the parking lot, and then saw him walk in with this gun, all these guns, and he tried to distract him from going into the sanctuary because there were still hundreds of people in there Mm. because the church service had just ended. So Matthew shot at him. And he didn't hit him with a bullet, but he was, like, hitting things around him. And so Larry was hit in the arm with, like, shrapnel. Okay. And injured. 
Matthew made it about 50 feet into the foyer shooting the entire time. And a police officer, an off-duty police officer named Jean Assam, pulled out her personal firearm and shot and wounded Matthew several times. She hit him several times. She didn't kill him. Right. But she shot at him and injured him several times. Once he was shot and injured, he then pulled out one of the handguns and shot himself in the head. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. And he did die. So it was estimated that over 7,000 other people were in the church at the time. And had he not been stopped by Gene, hundreds of other people could have been hurt or killed. 7,000 people. It's huge. It's a big church. Well, I understand. (laughs) I understand. But I guess I'm thinking like they have more than one. Like they have satellites. (laughs) Like they do. That was just one. But it also makes you think too, like he knew how many people were going to be there. Right. Yeah. He had quite the agenda. Yes. Yes. Jeez. Thank you, Gene. I know. Right. Police quickly put together that these two shootings, the Youth with a Mission Center and the New Life Church, were connected at that point, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the shooter was the same person. Matthew Murray was identified as the shooter. In all, this is astonishing, he fired a total of 42 rounds during the entire shooting spree. 15 of them were at the Youth with a Mission Center, where he killed two and wounded two. And then 27 rounds at New Life Church where he killed two and wounded three and then shot himself. It wasn't a very good shot. Well, that's true. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but like statistics. But he was it was random. I know. Thank Just but statistically, like how many people were there? Like <laughs> it's terrible. I think of that. Okay, as police investigated Matthew and his life, they found that in the months leading up to the shootings, he had posted several violent and threatening messages on several religious websites discussing his hatred for Christianity and that he intended to kill as many Christians as he could. He claimed to have been physically and emotionally abused by the Christian church. Hmm. He had done extensive searches into similar shootings like Columbine and Mm -hmm. the ones that he was talking to his friend about. He posted to suicide forums and other websites. Some users on these websites were disturbed by some of his posts. So like they're on these websites too. Mm -hmm. And even they were disturbed and tried to offer counsel to him. And there was even one person on one of the websites that claimed to be a psychologist and she tried to offer her services to him. She was like, you need some help. If you want uh, some help, I can offer this to you. I'm assuming he, that on these sites, he was like anonymous because why wouldn't they report to him? That's a great question. I don't know that he was anonymous. Okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He posted a poem to one of these sites called Crying Alone in Pain in the Nightmare of Christianity. Oh, my gosh. Matthew also had – I know. It's very – Melodramatic title. Mm -hmm. Matthew had over 500,000 pornographic photos on his computer. These included adult, homosexual, and child pornography. Oh, gosh. Police also found... mm -hmm. 
They also found numerous searches about guns and explosives. During the months before the shootings, Matthew had legally purchased six guns, all in his name, and $2,700 in ammunition. He had opened up a mailbox at a UPS store near his home and was having everything shipped there so that his parents would not know. Um, why would a person need to buy that many guns? And why would that not be flagged? Because it's legal to bear arms in this country. I understand that. I do understand that. And I'm not trying to take everyone's rights away here. But I don't understand why you need that many. Like why, like in that well, short amount of time, that that's you what I was going to say in so, such a small time frame, right? Order that many and it not be flagged. Like I feel like if you order, how many did you order? Six in one day? Well, it wasn't in one day. It was okay. over the course of a few months. He had obtained six guns. Right. Okay. So you're ordering six guns. Like at some point, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was also very concerning to the UPS workers because they saw that all of this stuff was coming in and they even questioned Matthew why he was buying so many bullets. And he told them that he was trying to get into the army and that he went to the shooting range a lot for practice, Hmm. which I was like, you don't have to like try out for the army. No. (laughs) Like Mm -mm. like they teach you to shoot. You don't have to be an avid shooter to get Mm -hmm. into the army. Right. So that makes zero sense. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, just sign up and they'll teach you. And then you don't have to buy $3,000 worth of bullets on your own. Yeah, exactly. Where was he getting the money from, by the way, to buy this? Well, that's a great, well, he did have a job. Remember up until he got fired, which was Mm -hmm. not too long before all of this happened. And I guess if he's living with his parents, he's not spending a whole lot of his money on bills. Well, right. Mm -hmm. In Matthew's car, police found two books. One was called, I Had to Say Something. So I looked it up. This book is about a former reverend of New Life Church, which was the church that he was a member of and that he was one of the shooting locations. This reverend's name was Ted Haggart, and he was caught having a sexual relationship with a male escort. Okay. And the, and stepped down as reverend and this male escort, allegedly this male escort wrote this book. I had to say something. Hmm. And that was in Matthew's car. There was also a book called serial murderers and their victims. Hmm. They also found a handwritten letter to God asking Jesus for answers to questions like, what have I done wrong? And why didn't you ever hear my cries? So he's clearly very Mm -hmm. disturbed, very disturbed young man. In the days after the shootings, the Murray family issued a public apology and offered their condolences to the families of all of the victims and said that they were also desperately groping for answers. And we're heartbroken. And sadly, their lives were totally torn apart by Matthew's actions, too. Right. Like, they're victims, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So, 
Let me talk now about those who lost their lives. So we'll start at the Mission Center. Tiffany Ann Johnson was born on June 19th of 1981 in Hibbing, Minnesota to parents. She was born on my best friend's birthday, by the way. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) To parents Thomas and Diane. Her life was dedicated to care and help her fellow man. She began working with Youth with a Mission in 2006, and she loved it, and she acquired additional training to become a staff member and then became the director of hospitality. Hmm. So she was the one who answered the door. She loved serving God and sharing her faith, and she also loved snowboarding and skateboarding. And she was 26 years old when she was Hmm. killed. Philip J. Krause was born January 31st, 1983 in Marietta, Ohio, to parents Eugene and Deborah. He grew up mostly in Washington, Pennsylvania. In 2000, he moved with his mom and stepdad to Alaska. Hmm. His life revolved around church and missioned work, and that is why he joined the Youth with a Mission program. He spoke several languages, loved woodworking, and he played guitar, and he was 24 when Matthew shot him at the center. So now we'll go to the church and the victims that were there. Stephanie Pauline Works was born January 28, 1989 in Denver, Colorado, and she had six toes on one foot, which apparently is something she inherited from her dad. A little fun fact. Mm -hmm. She was homeschooled and an active member of New Life Church. She is described as having a strong mind and then being an avid learner. She loved writing, fly fishing, music, and travel. She had just recently returned home from a mission trip to China, and she was 18 years old when she was shot and killed. Lastly, we have Stephanie's younger sister, Rachel Elizabeth Works. Rachel was born January 26, 1991. She was also homeschooled and a member of the church. She is described as having a very artistic approach to her life, which I thought was like such a cool way to describe a person. Yeah. She was a romantic and she loved to dance. She traveled to Brazil, Mexico, and China for mission trips, living quite the life before she was killed at 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Her headstone reads... Quote, do not fear death, but rather the unlived life. You don't have to live forever. You just have to live. Mm. Which gives me chills and makes me love her mm-hmm. all at the same time. Yeah. We also have five other innocent people who were wounded by Matthew's attack. We have Dan Gribnow, Charlie Blanche, David Works. So that's the father of the two girls mm-hmm. that were killed. Judy Purcell and Larry Burbanus. And we definitely cannot forget to give an honorable mention to Jean Assam, who bravely ran towards the active shooter and took him down like a badass. Yes, she did. Ultimately saving countless lives. I also saw an interview with another member of the Works family. I think it was another sister or like Mm -hmm. sister of the two that were killed. And she opened up a center in Stephanie and Rachel's honor that works with other survivors of gun violence. Oh, wow. In Colorado, I'm assuming? Uh, yes. I was just going to mm-hmm. say that. And that is the case of spree killer Matthew Murray. Sheesh. And the youth with a mission and new life shootings. Oh, also Trina, 
our listener, mm-hmm. the one who suggested it, her mom is a patient of the dad, a neurologist. Oh. Oh. So Matthew's dad, that was the prominent neurologist, Trina's mom is a patient of him, his. And that's how she heard about this case. That's interesting. And she was telling me, which is really sad. She was actually messaging me last night about this, that when this all happened, he stopped his work with multiple sclerosis and went into like a private practice. Oh, so he's not working on that. No, sadly, which is really sad. Wow. But it was like he just stepped back and stepped down and like, because I mean, my God, I can't imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, your your family's torn apart and all this like tragic thing that I'm sure like if you're prominent in that field, it's like, well, now this is what you're known for too. Well, sort yeah, of. true. Yeah. I mean, but it, it's really sad because he was doing such good work and and he does continue, but it's like on a small, much smaller scale. So yeah, it's just yeah. really sad. Like the ripple effect is terrible and I hate that. It makes it more tragic. That's what I said to Trina. And I was like, well, that's even more tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like Matthew really hurt a lot of people. Yeah. Because if it's it's countless at this point. Right. Yeah. And if his dad could have continued his work, maybe there would be more advances or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Interesting. So there you have it. Oh, gosh. Not the funnest episode ever, huh? No. (laughs) We just start this Monday out. (laughs) No. Oh my gosh, I hate those mass shootings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it just oh it ugh, my blood boils. Like mm-hmm. whole the randomness of it is so too. scary. Like well, yeah. Again, I'm not trying to take anybody's rights away, but what does anybody need an assault rifle for? No one. Mm-hmm. No one needs one. You don't need one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Right. It's my opinion. My opinion, everyone. Sorry. Is there um, even a lot of hunting in Colorado? Well, I don't know about that. I don't either. But do you use an assault rifle for hunting? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's no. what it's like. <laughs> you use like a shotgun. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't hunt. I don't know. No, I don't no, if there is hunting in Colorado, it's probably big stuff like buffalo and elk. I don't know what you use for that. That's like big game. Right. Yeah. I mean, my dad was a hunter, but a deer hunter. Yeah. I mean, that's a totally different thing. Like a lot less to take a deer down than a elk. Right. Yeah. Anyway, gosh. Oh, oh, it's just all, yeah. You were about to say it's senseless and it's just random. And like, he was just, it didn't matter. I mean, yeah, it was the church, that specific church, but like, it wouldn't matter. He just wanted to kill Christians according to his post yeah. on social media. And so had he gotten away with that somehow, like who knows if he would have walked into another church somewhere else, you know, whatever. Well, exactly. I mean, clearly he had intentions of um, dying by suicide, I I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because he definitely walked out of that first shooting with nobody having any idea who could have been. Like. Mm -hmm. Right. Anyway. Gosh. Terrible. Well, thanks, Gene. But I'm very glad that Gene was there. And I I mean, I Mm -hmm. hate to say it, but I'm glad she was packing that day. Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like most under, uh, not undercover, off-duty cops do carry. Mm-hmm. Right. My dad always did. Yeah. I remember, I remember going on field trips 
And he oh, like <laughs> he would be the one, like the parent, because my mom would work her day job. And most of the time, like my dad, not most of the time, but a lot of times he would have like a night shift. So he'd be off during the day. And so he'd be mm-hmm. the one coming on field trips. And he'd have to like, if it was like a museum or whatever that you went through a, a metal detector, he'd have to go and be like, I'm a cop. Here's my mm-hmm. gun. Like, and I'd see him like take it off his ankle. He had one of those like ankle. Oh my gosh. Posters. Yeah. Oh wow! Anyway, oh, you're so. a dad. <laughs> <laughs> love my dad. I love your dad too so much. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just saying. I remember like he carried it all the time. Yeah. So, I anyway, mean, they do save know, lives, but they also just in case never know. That's right. But yeah, this was a different situation. Matthew was clearly not a trained police officer who no. even knew how to use a gun, as far as anyone knew. Like, I don't think he had ever even shot a gun. Well, I that's mean, what I was wondering when I said clearly he's terrible at it because he shot how he, many rounds. And we don't even need to get into gun policies and all that stuff. But I do have a problem with inexperienced shooters having access to guns, period. Like if you don't know how to use it safely, if you've not gone through a class or not been trained or don't have some kind of a, I don't know, legal stamp of approval that you are fit to even have these firearms, like that's problem number one. Well, yeah, that is true. That should be a requirement. Like, you should be have to show, like, from, like, a certified place that mm-hmm. you got went through this training before you bought it. So, in North Carolina, you do. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certification. Yeah. And I was going to well, say. hold on. Yes, you do. You have to have a concealed carry permit, I think, to purchase a handgun in North Carolina. Well, but how do you get a know. permit? Just apply for it? No, you have to go through a class. Okay. So, you you see, I don't know that. Class. It's like a nine-hour class, and then you have to take a test at the end, and then you have to shoot and pass. Right. Well, that's like, good. You and shoot I at a target showing that you, ha- you have to, like, know how to load it, know how to unload it, know how to fix a jam, and then you have to pass, like, a written test that tells you about all the rules of owning a gun, like, when it's appropriate to shoot somebody when it's not, um, legally what you would get charged with and what you wouldn't, all that kind of stuff. Like, you have to know all of that. And then you actually have to shoot at a target and hit a certain percentage within a certain circle or well, you don't pass. That makes a whole lot of sense mm-hmm. to me and is amazing that they do that. And I don't know how many other states do that, but I think it should be a rule. And I think mm-hmm. that most people, I mean, I'm sure that there's a percentage of people out there that would just buy a gun to buy a gun, but people who are going to buy a gun I would imagine would just take a class before they took it. Like pretty level-headed people right. would, even if it wasn't required, I'm hoping they would just take a class, right. but oh, it should be a requirement. Yeah. That's my opinion. And maybe it is there and he just fell through the cracks at some level that we don't know of or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also it's 2007. I think things were different then than they are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like that long ago, but like considering what has happened, in mm-hmm. our like culture since then, I feel like maybe the reins are a little tighter. I hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hope, yeah. Hope. Hope. Anyway. Okay. All right. Well. No, I feel like we just did a little TED talk there. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> we were like, okay, this is what should happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my Anyways, all right. Well, thanks for telling that story. Thanks, Trina, for bringing it to our attention. Um, so sad and senseless and pointless and whatever. 
So anyway, rest in peace to all of the rest in peace for victims. Yes. And I hope the, the survivors are, are, are okay and doing Mm -hmm. well. So yeah. Anyway, let us know what you thought. Give us your opinion. Find us on social media. Go check out our Patreon. All of the fun things. Um, tell your friends about us. And just always remember the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets. <laughs>